And welcome back to Tomahawk Talk, hour two. Well, that first hour went by really, really, really it quickly. Did. And literally half right. the studio just cleared out. It feels a couple, like maybe five degrees colder in here <laughs> now. Um, lots of people. Panel has switched. <laughs> the panel has switched. You're uh, once again listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, uh, Voice of Florida State. And. Uh, I know the the goal originally was to, and of course, nothing ever goes to plan on the show. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, with relative timing, I suppose. Idea was that okay, we're gonna we're gonna get about twenty minutes of March Madness in with the first panel, and then we're gonna flip to the second panel, and they're gonna get twenty minutes as well. And uh, they're gonna get they're gonna get their time. That's not what definitely what I'm saying, but um, definitely there's gonna be some carryover, and there was probably a lot left unsaid with the first panel that's gonna get picked up by the second panel, and that's really incredible. Um, again, you know, Chris, that we get to have so many. Um, it's diff- different opinions and voices on the show. Let, let's get to talking. And man. we get let's, talking let's about them. I've already introduced you. I'm not going to introduce you again. Yeah, you know who you are. <laughs> uh, we have the other Luke. <laughs> oh, yeah. Luke, Luke Hazen. How are you doing, buddy? Good, good. I just got back from Colorado over spring break. Oh. I feel like I have a concussion and two torn ACLs okay. from are, skiing. Are, you, are <laughs> wow. you sure that you're show ready? Always. Okay. Always. I'm, always. I'm, I'm hurt, not injured. <laughs> <laughs> hurt, not injured. And uh, returning to the show, uh, he's been he's been raring and ready to get back on the show. Tyler Phillips, how you doing today? I'm doing I'm doing great. First hour was great. Yeah. I, I'm feeling I'm feeling on a on a on a high about that. Yeah, I had a pretty me- mediocre spring break. I uh, you know just watched a few James Bond movies. That's and not had a bad. Double, double middle ear, middle ear infection though. So oh, Ooh, yeah. why everybody? This panel is like ill. <laughs> like we're, why we're haven't hurt, I heard about this? Injured. Like I could <laughs> like maybe. Le- uh, you know, just workers' comp well, or something. Listen, it's the Monday after spring break. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's Everybody's getting the FS flu. We just don't know it yet. <laughs> and then to round out the in-studio panel, there's there's two more after this. But uh, the Ray Allen of the Big Three, uh, Mr. Hashtag and Jeets We Trust, Gary Putnick. How's it going? It's going great. <laughs> How was you were in? Um, so I was in Jacksonville early in spring break, covering the Players Championship for golf. And how was that? It was great. Loved watching golf for. Two days in a row. Who, who declined an interview? That's what? Who declined an interview? Daniel Berger, former Florida State golfer, walked right up to him after he had given his uh, his card to the scores, and then threw a couple golf balls with his autograph on to some kids. And then he walked over past me, where I was waiting, where most of the media waits to do interviews. I said, "Daniel, mind if I get a couple minutes?" Says, "Can't, man. Gotta go catch a flight." Proceeds to walk back to the uh, clubhouse, where then he is stopped by another member of the media who just begins to interview him and he just gives starts giving him quotes. Wow. So, so I was a bit salty to say okay. this. Lesson learned, don't don't stop and ask, just do it. Just do exactly. It. What yeah. what what's Nike. more dis- <laughs> what's more disrespectful <laughs> that or the fact that the first hour panel just up and dipped. They didn't even stay to watch they, Yeah, I know. I know. I you so guys have, you guys Berger. have been here. <laughs> you guys have been here. Uh, We're their number one fans. Doing your t- <laughs> <laughs> number one fans uh, cry. You, you're gonna get uh, Brandon Spencer's jacket uh, <laughs> after the show, signed and, and uh, embroidered, uh, whatever have you. And uh, in the Shark Tank, we have Austin Reynolds, and uh, oh, I guess Austin Reynolds is the resident Falcons fan, or at least one of them. Um, <laughs> much to Chris Camacho's uh, <laughs> anger and distaste but oh, I don't uh i share the love it's fine yeah it's, it's really just me and brandon here um i had a pretty low-key spring break i caught a pretty bad cold so i'm continuing continuing the uh, the trend of illness on this panel unfortunately but that was more opportunity for me to keep my eyes glued to the tv keep up with march madness and watch some great basketball everybody, so hopefully i'm prepared for this segment everybody is getting sick is it like is this just 
My, you do, what are you gonna do a study now, Nick? I don't know. I feel like what what sick. percent of panel gets what percent of panel two in comparison to panel one? At least sixty got, right got now. Got injured and and or sick, and then finally, uh, Gabe was uh, was Nesky. I uh, can't really hear you right now, so I'm just gonna okay. have a little bit here. But yeah, spring break was good. I was uh, wasting a lot of time playing the Spider-Man video game. Okay. <laughs> Highly recommend. Uh, and then also I was reveling in the fact I have 14 of the Sweet 16 teams. So okay. Are, are, are you in our uh, Are you in our brackets? I missed registering, but I okay, would be thank 30 you. points okay. ahead of anybody. <laughs> yeah. So okay. just saying. Well, that is a miracle <laughs> in of itself. So uh, before <laughs> before we uh, we flipped the panel, we were talking about uh, Duke and UCF, and obviously that's the game that most people have been talking about. And uh, I know that we've been th- we pretty much spent the last 10 minutes of the first. Uh, panel talking about it but i know that the second panel had some strong opinions on it so i'm just going to let you all go uh what did you think of this game tyler the, the duke ucf game yes um well i hear a lot of excuses about the refs i think ucf <laughs> obviously had a lot of chances to win and so at the end of the day i think ucf played lights out duke played very well look you're gonna have close games and and duke at the end of the day even though they were freshmen they found a way to win um, even with Zion missing the, the free throw, players stepped up, and I, great game. I did not change the channel, I'll tell you that. Luke, do you concur? Absolutely. And, you know, I I, felt, I thought it was really special, you know, the whole year, Taco Fall's been more of a meme than an actual <laughs> great player. You know, we talk about how he's seven foot six, right? Seven foot four, seven foot did six. Seven foot six. Seven, 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 on right? his knees, and he's still just as tall. As one of the other, as one oh of the Duke God. players, it was the VCU. Yeah, that yeah. Was VCU one. Oh, it was yeah. VCU. That's right? right. But so we talk about his physique the whole year, but we really don't get to talk about his play. And to see him go up against the number one overall seed in the tournament, Duke, and have the kind of game that he did, I, f- I felt it was really surreal. You know, this is that's what March is about. Uh, definitely. So you know, I obviously we can't exactly tread the same water that we did with the first panel. So um, what we're gonna do, we're obviously just gonna go through all the Sweet 16 games, uh, talk about who you think is going to win that game. We'll also go a little bit further. You can give your championship, your your champions, your Final Four, however much information you want to give to all the lovely listeners out there. You can give as much as you want, but we're gonna go through every single game, comment on you know the teams that are in this game, how they got there, how do you feel about their play thus far. And uh, really, overall, just how you see the rest of the tournament going. Um, as I said, it, uh, Chris, I don't know if you feel the same way. It's kind of been a very chalk uh, tournament thus far. I, I feel yeah. like th- I feel like there just hasn't been that March Madness moment. No, and and I have to agree with with Luke Fay uh, in the sense that <laughs> what this... his ex girlfriend is not existing. No, we're not going to get into that. <laughs> I was talking more so about the fact that you know this was supposed to be the March Madness moment, the the moment where where the fans finally got to see an underdog take down somebody. Uh, th- a team that, as of today, is still expected to win the national championship. I think that would have been a fantastic moment. Otherwise, if I'm not mistaken, every single one, two, and three seed has advanced to the Sweet 16. Um, which, I mean, is, you know, good for them. But at the same time, as, as a fan, is not quite the excitement that I think we've expected. We've come to expect from March Madness. So going, uh, Gary's itching. Gary's itching. I I kind of have enjoyed how it's just been favorites so far because that's what I pick a lot in my brackets. (laughs) I'm a huge fan of picking favorites because you don't (laughs) gambling Gary. Don't try and outthink everyone by picking out a ton of underdogs. 
Stick with the favorites, and you'll end up having the better bracket in the end. Now, see, that was my mistake this year. I was I went very upset heavy, and I almost got a lot right. I almost got the Auburn New Mexico State upset uh, correct, but of course that came down to a uh, a missed three pointer, and there was another one that I think was really close. But uh, Belmont Maryland, the, yeah, that one as well. well that was a, that Belmont. that was that was a sad car ride. Yeah, uh, back shoot. to Tallahassee. <laughs> um, so, just getting into it, just at, from the from the east side of things, Duke versus Virginia Tech uh, on the 29th. Chris, oh, I I think that's going to be a fantastic game uh, because you have a Duke team that's been absolutely shook by UCF and a Virginia Tech team that has shown that it's it's got the talent, it's got the it's got the skill. I think if Duke goes down. If it's I, I had the I had Duke falling to Michigan State in the Elite Eight, but I would not be surprised to see Virginia Tech take them down as well. You really think Duke is that shook? I I, I think so. I think they've shown their vul- vulnerability, and and to a certain extent, they rely very heavily. Of course, R.J. Barrett is a fantastic player. They've got four NBA caliber players on that team, but at the end of the day, Zion Williamson is is the guy that car- that carries this team on on his shoulders for the most part. I would say, Gary. I think with Duke and Virginia Tech, I when I when UCF lost that game yesterday, I said to my friends, "This game just won Duke their next three games. This is they're going to go on a tear because they got that this close to getting knocked out. They're going to just go on a tear and they're going to run through everyone for the rest of the tournament. That's all. That's what happens. That's what happens when uh, teams get close. They just get by in the first round. The next game they blow teams out. Look at Florida State." Look at what was it? Uh, didn't get no Gonzaga didn't get scared. Um, but some of the teams, whenever they get scared early in the first round, they just come out and blow the next team out of play. So expect that with Duke. Tyler, I I disagree uh, mainly because I have Virginia Tech in my Final Four. <laughs> um, but not only that, as you know, I think Virginia Tech with the the addition of was it. I, Robinson, Justin Robinson, Justin yeah. Robinson yep. um, being hurt for most of the season, and they beat Duke with him out. Um, I think they are just that much better. They match up well against Duke all around, um, and and but they will have to score more than sixty six and sixty seven points to beat Duke, which I think they're capable of doing. Um, I just I just can't. Duke just showed me their weaknesses, and I think that Virginia Tech will exploit them. So for you, the weaknesses of Duke are just so transparent that you really just see them not going any further. I see Virginia Tech exploiting them. That's what, yeah. Now at the same, I, I just t- can't see them going further. At the same time, we're also talking about Coach K, who is one of the greatest. The Godfather. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I I think so. In that sense, I'm not going to say I agree with Gary in that Duke goes on a tear and blows through their next three games. But at the same time, there's there's a shift in mentality. They know that they've shown their weaknesses. There has to be adjustments made. This is not Coach K's first rodeo. Luke? Usually I would love Gary's logic of, you know, a team getting scared early on and then going on a tear. But I would prefer that ha- to happen with a more experienced team. Remember, the three best players on Duke's roster are all freshmen. They're all 18-, 19-year-old uh, players. And so I think when you factor that in, and you also factor in Buzz Williams' uh, coaching um, repertoire. I, I, th- I think Virginia Tech is capable of exploiting those same weaknesses that Duke showed against UCF. And the one player that I'm looking at to shine in this game is Kerry Blackshear Jr. Now, he, when Virginia Tech came to Florida State a few weeks ago and played them to overtime, you could point out Kerry Blackshear as a force. He was the guy that had that Virginia Tech team going the whole way. And when he went out, uh, FSU seemed to take off from there. So I, th- I think Kerry Blackshear is going to be a huge player in this game, and I think Virginia Tech wins. Austin, what do you think? 
I am kind of in the same line of thought as Gary. I don't think they're going to go on an absolute tear and blow teams out by 20 every game, but I would say that this scare, uh, plus the three to three or four days of rest that they're, that they're going to have before their next matchup with Virginia Tech, which, by the way, is probably going to be one of the best games of the Sweet 16, in my opinion. But I think that those two factors that I just mentioned are going to be able to give them some, uh, some confidence heading into the next matchup. Um, you don't usually get in-conference matchups this early in the Sweet 16, so that element alone is going to make it a lot more compelling to watch, uh, especially considering the history this season that Duke and Virginia Tech have had. But I do believe they're going to win this game, and kind of a spoiler for any potential bracket picks we're going to get into in the future, but I do have them winning the uh, the whole entire tournament. All right, Gabe, can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah Okay, great. Fan- fantastic. All right, Gabe. This is Verizon. Uh, yeah, I'm still following the logic that I think they're going to come out and just roll against Virginia Tech. I just don't think that they're going to let this UCF game really get to them. Um, and the thing that I think could keep it close for Virginia Tech is if they control the tempo. Um, you know, Virginia Tech, both ends of the floor, they want to beat you in the half court. That's why, you know, you see them scoring, was it 67 and 66 in the first two games? Um, but for Duke, then, if the game speeds up, you'll see them go on a 10-0 run in 50 seconds. So I think whoever manages the tempo is probably going to come out on top. But uh, I do like Duke in that game. Uh, I'm kind of in the middle with everybody here. I do agree kind of with Gary, I think, and I guess Luke in that, in that same aspect. Uh, that Duke is going to come out and they're probably going to give Virginia Tech a probably uh, a very convincing loss, but I don't think they're going to go on that big of a tear because I agree with Tyler also in the sense that I think Duke has exposed weaknesses and I think that there's no bandage now that is going to cover up those weaknesses, those wounds that have been inflicted. You know that all you have to do to stop Zion is really clog the paint with somebody that is, if not equal, uh, equal height to him, uh, much, much bigger than him. And it really kind of just stops the offense and it forces people like Trey Jones to make shots, which he didn't. Um, and it for- Cam Reddish has been inconsistent as well. R.J. Barrett has been the, obviously the most consistent player on the team, uh, I think, throughout the entire season besides Zion. Um, but I think Duke is going to beat Virginia Tech by at least, I'm, I'm going to say, uh, probably nine points. They're going to mi- lose to Michigan State in the Elite Eight. And, spread was uh, seven and a half. The spread was seven and a half. For those that are friends in the desert. For, <laughs> for, those, that, for those that are, uh, for the gambling carries of the world. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, lucky and then Lucky Luke's. <laughs> Moving down, uh, Ellis. Big Money Blake. <laughs> oh <my laughs> big God. Money Blake. Uh, LSU, Michigan State, and that is um, the other coming out of the East bracket. Oh, considering Michigan State's my champion? Yeah, but. Uh, <laughs> Best believe I have Michigan State taking that. Gary? I'm still concerned about LSU without their head coach. That's my one big thing, and I have Michigan State winning this game. Tyler? I've never been completely sold on LSU. They play in a weak SEC team or SEC conference. Um, I just They lost to Florida in the uh, SEC championship. Uh, or not championship game, the semifinal, right? I believe uh, so, yeah. Sem- Quarterfinals. Quarter final. Just uh, early exit. Um, <laughs> just, I just don't see them winning this game. Michigan State's defense is really good. Luke? Yeah, I, I have Mich- Michigan State taking this game, too. I think Nick Ward is getting healthier and healthier the more he plays. And shout-out to Michigan State's engineering program. They designed a sort of guard for Nick Ward's hand that um, they haven't used before. And he's, he shouted them out in the press conference saying that that actually helped him heal more and more. Purdue did a thing like that last year for, I can't remember the guy that got injured for them, but the engineering program tried to come up with something to fix him, more or less, but the end, but they couldn't end up implementing it. In game. Oh, yeah. He's more machine now than man. Yep. Uh, Austin, what are we thinking? 
I'm siding with Michigan State here too. Um, I was sold on LSU as a potential Final Four Elite Eight contender towards the tail end of the regular season, but their play, especially in the SEC tournament, like uh, like Tyler mentioned, it wasn't that inspiring, and yet their seed is still uh, as if they had succeeded in that tournament. But Michigan State's defense, I believe, is going to be able to get the job done here. Gabe? I, uh, I like Michigan State in this as well. I have them making a run into the championship game. Um, but... Talent-wise, I think there is a bit of a comparison. You look at Nas Reed and Tremont Waters have been very impressive so far for LSU. But when talent is balanced, I look at coaching, and Tom Izzo, one of the best of all time. So I got to go Michigan State. And that brings up something really interesting that we could touch on really, really quickly. Obviously, that there was this story, you know, a couple days ago about how Tom Izzo Izzo was getting in the uh, the face of one of his players. Uh, And just want to get your quick reactions on that. Obviously. Uh, at least my reaction to it was it's not that big of a deal. I no. mean, if you've ever if you realistically have ever played a sport, you know, seriously, and I'm not talking about middle school football, I'm in some, you know, I guess instances, you know, high school football too, basketball, baseball, whatever. If you haven't had a coach get in your face like that, you haven't been coached before. And I think that's a lot of what people are missing. And I'm curious to see what everybody else thinks about that cuz I I think Tom Izzo did nothing wrong and for me, right. it, it what he did and just the way that he handled it was really just solidification that he is one of the better coaches that you know the country and the in you know the world has ever seen. No coach chews you out for the sake of just yelling. They they chew you out and they get on you because they care and they want to see you succeed. And that's exactly what Izzo's done. That's coach. exactly what I've had happen to me for my coaching before. So that's all I've seen from the Izzo thing is that's nothing new for me. Is there any differing opinions? Not at all. Not at all. One, one, one thing I'll say about this is that I think this sort of coaching and this sort of attitude, this sort of teaching method, I think it can only exist in the realm of sports. So what I would say to those who say, oh, Tom Izzo is preparing him for the real world, no boss in the real world ever berates someone like that in a workplace. And if they do, it's probably an HR complaint. <laughs> Moving down to the, the West Bracket, Gonzaga, Florida State. Obviously, we talked about this one already in the first half of the show. Talked about what we can expect, um, where this team is mentally with the loss of Kofer. He's not going to be in Anaheim if you're just joining us on the second side of, uh, of this of the two-hour show. Um, Florida State, of course, uh, having that kind of early scare in Vermont, uh, basically a home game for uh, Vermont, and then handling Murray State uh, pretty efficiently, uh, 28 points. And Gonzaga has held their own on their side of the bracket as well, uh, beating, oh my goodness, they beat uh, Dickinson by almost 40 points, and then they did beat Baylor by 12. So they've they've handled their, their games as well. Where are we, where are we seeing uh, this game end up? I'm, I'm riding the Jeff Cameron choo-choo train, Florida State <laughs> choo-choo train, and I've got Florida State pulling into Elite Eight Station. Lead eight station. What do you think, Gary? I liked what you said earlier in the first half of the show about revenge games. I'm completely on that side that revenge games mean a lot more when it comes to this. So I have Gonzaga winning, and that's pretty much it. And Kofor's going to be a big part in not being there in that loss. Tyler? Um, I have Florida State winning, um, and for the main reason is they return most of their starters last year from last year. And also, Gonzaga has two freshmen, right? We're right. talking about freshmen. They're very good freshmen. Right. But will they show up and play consistently? Um, and I think we are. We have depth. We have speed. We have uh, seniority. I think we win this game, but only by three. 
Only by three? Okay, so we actually have a square out of that one. Luke? So, Tyler, you were saying Florida State is deeper and faster this time around, right? This, this is the most complete team they've had in a while. At the same time, Gonzaga does, also, too. <laughs> Gonzaga does too, and Florida State is injured badly. Nichols struggled, and he might have a problem, and Kofor's out for the entire next weekend. And so, Forrest has had you know issues as well. Oh, yeah. So Gonzaga's healthier this time around. Florida State is more injured than when they beat Gonzaga last year. I like the Zags in this game. Not to diminish what you're saying, but we play in the ACC. Yeah, well, they Big West. But Gonzaga uh, is very good. Yeah, <laughs> very good. We play in the ACC. <laughs> well, we well maybe some ACC bias there. Uh, Austin, what are we thinking? Unfortunately, I'm going to have to go with Gonzaga here. I think the uh, the loss of Phil Kofer for this road trip is going to be just more than the Knowles can handle, unfortunately. Um, we do have very, very great depth. Um, that I, gives me confidence for these matchups, that they're not going to be, like, I say they, uh, assuming we get past Gonzaga, but uh, this matchup in particular, um, I don't think it'll be a blowout by Gonzaga. We're not going to lose by 15-20, but I do think that uh, the play of Hachimura and Clark and the other great players on Gonzaga is going to be too much for us to overcome. Gabe? Uh, you know, when we talk about, like, the revenge factor, I think that plays in when we're talking about, like, a regular season game, but at the same time, this is for a trip to the Elite Eight, so I don't think it's, like, we're looking at a game where Florida State's going to come out flat. Um, but for Gonzaga, you know, you have Hachimura, Letterman scoring in the regular season, almost 20 points a game, puts up six this past game, and they win by double digits. So that's a little bit nerve-wracking. But uh, just earlier today, I was on the ESPN app, saw they're giving Gonzaga, I believe, an 86% chance to win. That's the kind of thing that gets posted in the locker room. Well, well. I just think that could be. To be fair, uh, most of the commentators during the uh, Murray State Florida State game oh thought Murray State was going to win, even though they were twenty points down. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that being said, they still have a chance, guys. They still have a chance. Uh, Florida State Gonzaga. This is a very, very interesting game storyline wise and I th- you know, we were talking earlier about how UCF versus Duke definitely had everything when it came to one of these big March Madness ma- uh, matchups you know you had the storylines you had the, the camaraderie uh, the, you obviously had the talent and I think Gonzaga and Florida State is the same way I'm with Gary here I mean revenge games uh, as I already said earlier in the show revenge games seem to have something a little bit more tacked onto them but you also have raw emotion coming from the side of Florida State you have the the knowledge that they are fighting for something other than just a championship they're fighting for their brother and Phil Kofer and his family and those those two things are going to clash I have Florida State moving on in my bracket that was done probably out of bias more than anything else obviously brackets aren't don't aren't, don't really get published anywhere besides <laughs> Maybe our wall of shame after they get busted so badly. But um, I, th- I feel just deep down that Gonzaga is going to win. They have uh, the talent ready this year. Uh, they're, they've just been playing really well. Yeah, they do have some young freshmen, but they are extremely good. Florida State is going to give it their all. It's going to be a fantastic game, but I think Gonzaga is going to win in a nail-biter. Moving down, Texas Tech, Michigan. Chris. Uh, give me the Wolverines in this one. Uh, Texas. I, I think Texas, Texas Tech. God, say that five times fast. Texas uh, Tech, Texas. Yeah, you're right. No. Actually, you're right. Yeah, you're, exactly. right. you're right. You're right. You're try right. Try it. Right. No, I did. Yeah, I know you did. Uh, <laughs> no, no. I think Texas Tech has has you know uh, in that w- in the in that win against uh, Kentucky. No, North North Kentucky. Yes. What bracket are you looking at? I, I'm looking right here. Northern Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Northern North Kentucky. Kentucky. Oh, yeah. I, I thought question you said. Me, keep I th- questioning me. I thought you're, you said you're two right you, now. You said Kentucky, and I was. Yes, I was looking at. Yeah. Okay. Continue. Continue. No, I I think. You know, they've shown a lot of offensive dominance, and I think, you know, when, when you have two teams that have shown the offensive potential, I, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, uh, but I think Michigan State uh, pulls it out. 
uh, Michigan Wolverines. Uh, Michigan, Gary? excuse me. Uh, so go off high scoring game. Both of these teams allow less than fifty eight points per game. This is going to be a defense heavy game. I see. I see the under hitting, which is at one twenty six right now. So I'm going to take Michigan just because uh, Jordan Poole. I think Poole maybe comes up clutch again for them. Tyler. Um, I'm going to pick Texas Tech in this, uh, mainly for the fact that I think their offense is better. Uh, Michigan's defense is really good. Texas Tech's defense is really good, not to diminish what Michigan's done this year. But I think Texas Tech wins this shootout. You know, no pun intended, <laughs> they're the Raiders, you know. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I think that Texas Tech pulls it out by four. Luke? Well, I definitely don't think it's going to be a shootout. I, I I see this more as a race to 50, honestly. Both these defense are, are, are legit. And, uh, Gary, you mentioned Jordan Poole, and you bring him up. I raise you a Jarrett Culver from Texas Tech. NBA lottery pick next year. This is when stars shine the brightest. I think he shows up for this game, but at the same time, Michigan is a more complete team, and John Bayline is the better coach. And we need to start recognizing him as one of the best coaches in America when it comes to March. He really shows up in tournament time. Oh, yeah. Austin? Yeah, this really doesn't scream shootout to me at all. Um, I think it'll be a close game. Uh, like I think it was uh, Luke said, a race to 50. But I believe that Michigan's going to be able to pull out the win, um, maybe 52-49. So really low scoring. Yes. Really low scoring. Okay, Gabe, wrap us up here. I like Texas Tech in this one. I thought just the way they dismantled Buffalo. I mean, Buffalo first round put up 91, I believe. And then they came into the game with their lowest scoring game of the season being 62 points. Texas Tech held them to 58. I've just been really impressed with Texas Tech and uh, Michigan. Sometimes just they rely a lot on freshmen, and that's uh, that kind of makes me nervous at this point. Well, I do de- definitely think it's going to be a more defensive game, but I'm choosing Michigan. Um, I think the one thing that Michigan has this year that they haven't had in the past years is attitude. They really kind of have been that, and you know, I guess up north kind of a very three-point shooty kind of basketball team, and they've always kind of been. I don't. I don't want to necessarily say pushed around. But they've definitely been a smaller team, and I feel like they haven't had that attitude, and they definitely have attitude this year. It's definitely going to be a defensive game. Uh, Texas Tech is going to give it all that they all that they uh, have. Uh, it is a race to 50. Michigan is going to win that race. We are going to do the other side of the bracket very, very quickly on the other side of the break. We're going to take a just a short, short one. Uh, you know, as I feel like I've said this so many times in the past, and I didn't even realize that I would be saying it this much, but you are listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. Oh, maybe that's the working class 
Welcome back to the show, everybody. We only have 30 minutes left. Uh, it's been a fantastic two-hour show uh, thus far. Um, I really hope you all are enjoying it as much as fun as we've been having in the studio. It's a lot of laughs, a lot of uh, hot takes, a lot of disagreeing and shaking heads behind the scenes, uh, especially coming from Tyler, because uh, <laughs> Tyler just seems to have the differing opinion from everybody today. Uh, sometimes that's the way that it is. Uh, it's the way it is the way the cookie crumbles. Uh, moving on uh, to the south side of the bracket, Virginia and Oregon. Chris. Well, you know, I I don't think Virginia is going to want to be embarrassed, especially by a team from the Pac-12, a, a conference that has been very bad, very bad to say the least. Um, I think Virginia has the talent. I don't think that they're gonna. I don't think that they're gonna be embarrassed again. So, uh, so I've got them. Moving they on. were almost embarrassed. Yes, embarrassed. we're almost embarrassed. Yeah. Gardner, Gardner Webb really gave them quite a scare, but then they got scared by the puppers again, and then they didn't. Gary, do you guys like slow basketball? I like slow <laughs> basketball. This is the game for you. <laughs> a lot of defense, a lot of standing around, a lot of waiting to the end of shot clocks to get the ball off. This is the game. This is Virginia's game. They're going to win this game. They're going to impose their will on Oregon on the defensive side of the ball, and they're going to win by at least fifteen. Oh wow. Okay, Tyler. Uh, can we actually go to Luke for this one? Yeah, Luke. Why not? Okay. <laughs> so if you watched Virginia play Oklahoma last night, I believe, Virginia got off to about a 13-point lead, and then it stayed that way for the rest of the game, and it was the most boring sequence of basketball you could ever watch. The same thing's going to happen in this game. I feel Virginia gets off to a comfortable lead, and I don't, I don't think Oregon has the firepower to stay with them. I will say, though, um, Oregon has won their last five straight, and if there was a team, a lower-seeded team, to make a run, it would be Oregon, who made a run through the Pac-12 tournament just to get in. Um, but I do think Virginia wins. Okay, Tyler, have you have you has that extra thirty seconds? Yes. Okay. So shocking. I disagree. Just kidding. I agree. Um, Virginia plays good defense, like always. They are they have the best defense in the country, in my opinion, um, and I think the numbers back it up as well. If Kyle Guy scores more than four points like he did against Oklahoma, it's going to be a blowout. Well, that's not, I mean, that's not exactly setting the bar 25, very high. 25, 30-point blowout. I mean, that that high. If he he scored, scored four points and they beat Oklahoma by, what, 12, 13? Uh, yeah, but I, 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 I think there were a couple of other factors in that game that contributed it, it to It is going to be a slow game, like Gary said. So <laughs> I agree around the, around the board. Austin? Yeah, I also think this will be a pretty boring, slow game. Uh, Virginia has found a, a method that works, apparently, against Oklahoma, uh, not giving up that 12, 13, 14-point lead pretty much the entire the entire game. Um, I do have them winning this game. I think this is where Oregon's uh, Cinderella story ends for the, low, the lowest-seeded team. Uh, but I do have Virginia moving on to the Elite Eights. Gabe? I am the lone one. I'm going Ducks on this one. I think they have the ability to—I think everyone looks at this 12 seed, and they're like, oh, 12 seed, they're irrelevant. This team's on fire. They have figured things out. Dana Altman's done this before with the 12 seed. You look at averages, they're averaging 71 points. UVA's averaging 72. Oregon's given up 54. UVA's given up 53 and a half. This thing isn't as far as people are thinking it is. And I think when Oregon starts to struggle on the defensive end, even if they get beat, 
Kenny Wooten, seven blocks last game. The guy sends everything back. They're going to be a problem. If Oregon. Oregon goes on a drought like they did against UC Irvine, I'm telling you, 25, 30-point lead for Virginia. Well, Gabe, um, I don't know how to tell you this, but you are not alone because I, too, think that Oregon is going to beat Virginia. Look, Virginia has been the choke artist of the NCAA tournament for the last, I don't know, two to three years. I don't – I mean, they obviously they have fantastic defense. But with that being said, I have seen cracks this year. Obviously, Florida State delivered a big – uh, uh, loss to uh, the Cavaliers of Virginia and until they show me otherwise I think that they're going to choke I think Oregon is going to continue the Cinderella story and sure you know it, the, there is a very real possibility that Virginia locks down the Ducks very efficiently but if Virginia isn't making shots they are extremely beatable and I think that's what's going to happen I think Oregon is going to uh, continue the Cinderella story moving down to Por uh, Purdue and Tennessee Chris uh, so ESPN has Purdue favored by 0.7%. So in looking at it, Purdue has a 50.7% chance of taking this, and I'm going to take those odds. Uh, mostly because looking at Purdue's defense and looking at how they've done uh, this season, I, I just think Purdue's defense locks down Tennessee's. Uh, and I see the Boilermakers advancing. Gary. Purdue. <laughs> with a, that's, with a, with a that's, I think that, that describes yeah. Purdue basketball for me, but <laughs> I just don't. I mean, Vegas giving making them, or I guess well, ESPN I guess has them as one point underdogs, but this that game that line greatly shifted because Iowa scared Tennessee the other day, or yesterday, and I think that's not going to be the case again. I think that's the same thing with Duke. They got scared for a bit in that game. They're going to come back the next game. They're going to punch Purdue in the mouth, and they're going to easily win this game. Wait, wait, wait. You said Purdue and then switched to Tennessee. Sorry, sorry. Tennessee Tennessee is easily going to win this game. Purdue got scared by Iowa. Tennessee is going to come in and punch Purdue in the mouth. Tennessee <laughs> got scared by Iowa. Tennessee. Gary. Am I Whoa. He's picking Purdue. I'm tired. No, Tennessee. <laughs> I was going to say. I Tennessee is going to win. Okay. <laughs> That's it. Tennessee. Okay. All right. All Sebastian, uh, I know that it's going to be a large file for you, uh, but we can just edit out Gary uh, <laughs> yeah. going off the tracks there. Uh, it's a shame that this is live. Um, <laughs> I've been in a ba I've been in a basketball coma for the past four days, so this is bad. So this is the result of it. Yeah, this is what happens when you place a baseball guy watching home a, a whole bunch of basketball, and you place a basketball guy like me uh, tasked to cover the Florida State baseball team. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> did we go? Did we do no, we didn't go to me. Yeah. Um, so two things: I saw Purdue in person when they played Florida State. Um, I was very impressed by their three-point shooting. Very unimpressed by their paint uh, scoring in the paint. Um, it depends on how they do shooting the three. It depends on how which Tennessee team shows up. Do we get a Tennessee team that's consistently scoring, or do we get a Tennessee team that went cold in the second half Blowing Iowa? gigantic leads. Yeah, blowing gigantic leads. So I'm picking Tennessee, but it's going to be a closer game than I think people expect. I think it's going to be about a five-point win for Tennessee. Luke. Yeah, so earlier Gary was talking about Duke and how they got a scare and how that will fuel their run that they're going to make for the rest of the tournament. And I, I disagree with that. I said Duke is way too young. Well, I'm going to apply that same logic to a team like Tennessee that comes in with a ton of experience. Jordan Bone, Grant Williams, Admiral Schofield, they've been there. They know what it takes to win. And I think that scare against Iowa is going to fire them up. And the one thing I'll give Purdue credit for, they might have the most electric player left in the tournament in Carson Edwards. That dude, He's a dude. And he he can score with the best of them. Thank you for the confirmation. There. <laughs> so I, I think Carson Edwards alone might make it a game, but I do have Tennessee winning this game. All right, Austin. 
Give me Tennessee as well. I know some people may not be too inspired or convinced by their first two games in the tournament so far, especially blowing the huge lead against Iowa and only winning by seven against the 15 seeded Colgate. But I just believe that it's it's like we were talking about with Duke. Uh, those freshmen might not have the experience to rebound from a from a bad game or a close game, but the experience of Tennessee is, I believe, going to give them a clearer head going into the weekend here, and I'll have them winning a very close game against Purdue. All right, Gabe. I got Tennessee in the Final Four, so they certainly gave me a scare, but uh, I do still like Tennessee over Purdue. I think uh, Admiral Schofield, I think he's going to have a big game, and uh, I, don't, I don't think this is going to be a blowout by any means, but I do see Tennessee coming out on top. And I'm kind of, I really don't have an answer for that. This is the one game this weekend that I really don't have an answer for because on the one hand, I'm not really all that impressed by Purdue. Um, I, I don't really understand why they got a three seed to begin with. I think uh, especially it was between Florida State and Purdue in terms of who got that three seed. I think Florida State deserved it. Uh, not only did they beat Purdue, but I mean, when you look at the stats, I mean, Purdue has not performed well against better teams pretty much all season with an exception for a couple of games but it depends really on which Tennessee team you're getting how is Grant Williams going to play are they going to go stone cold are they just going to drop off the face of the earth and give up 20 point leads it's really a toss-up is it going to be I, I don't think that Purdue sure Carson Edwards magnificent player he can light it up out of absolutely nowhere but is that going to be enough I have a John Morant scenario it, it, Murray State versus FSU you you never know I think I think my gut is telling me that Tennessee is going to pull it out, but I mean I don't trust Tennessee, and I don't really uh, think Purdue is all that impressive. So I guess Tennessee over anything else. We're going to try and go a little bit quicker here. Uh, North Carolina, Auburn, Chris. Uh, I'll give you North Carolina, uh, just because I think they've they've got the better offerings. I like what Cameron Johnson's done for them, uh, and I think they take down Auburn. All right, Gary. Dad gummit, give me North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's uh, Charles Barkley versus Kenny Smith. I'm gonna take Charles Barkley. Really? Yeah. No, it's uh, Auburn. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I know, but yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> I am. Um, I think Auburn can shoot the ball. I really do. Um, they've proved themselves this year. Yes, they've been a little inconsistent, but I feel like North Carolina against um, what was that? Iona. They showed their weaknesses. I feel like. I feel like that Auburn's just the better team. I feel like that they're more consistent in the tournament. So I feel like they're going to win. Well, I will I will give you, I think, you know, earlier I think people were saying that UCF versus Duke was the biggest surprise of the tournament and how well that game was. I think just as overall surprises, I think Auburn has been the best That's surprise bad. of the tournament, especially because Kansas, going into the tournament, they hadn't lost a single road game or a neutral site game. They had lost zero. Zilch, nada. They got knocked off by uh, number five Auburn by double-digit points. Yeah. It's impressive. It was impressive. That's uh, why I'm with, Auburn. with that being said, Luke? Yeah, so this is my sneaky pick for best game of the games in the Sweet 16. Based on watchability alone, these two teams push the ball down the court with the best of them, including the backcourts of Jared Harper and Bryce Brown, and then you got Kobe White and Cameron Johnson. Both are explosive offenses. I have North Carolina, though. All right, Austin? I'm going to side with North Carolina as well. Auburn had a great rebound game from their uh, scare against New Mexico State, uh, beating Kansas by 14. And it's no disrespect to Auburn. They've been a great team. They were a very pleasant surprise in the SEC tournament. Uh, but I just believe UNC is the more rounded team. They have better depth. They've shown just the eye test alone is enough to put them over Auburn for me. All right, Gabe. I have North Carolina winning the championship, so I definitely have them here. Um, you know, For all the talk about Williamson and Morant, Kobe White is a really fun guy to watch. When that guy gets out and running, he is special. So I think uh, North Carolina takes this one. 
and uh, I, I have North Carolina in the championship as well. I have I have them winning it. Auburn has been, as I said, the surprise of the tournament for me so far, just how well they've been able to score the basketball. Uh, North Carolina, though, is without a doubt to me the best team in the country. A lot of people say Duke. I don't think so. I don't think Duke is a basketball team. I think Duke is a team with four freshmen and then a bunch of other people on the team. And North Carolina is a basketball team. They move the ball. They're extremely fast. They're extremely fun to watch. Kobe White, when he, he is a little inconsistent, but when he lights it up, he lights it up. And really, it's just the passing down low from Luke May that I think really sets this team apart from a lot of the other teams in the field, just how they are able to move the ball. I think they do lead the country in assists. Maybe I'm wrong. I, they're definitely top tier in that regard, if I am incorrect about them being the best. But I have North Carolina here. Last but not least, Houston, Kentucky. I feel like that this side of the bracket is really kind of just underlooked. So I'm curious to see what you all think. Well, I'm pick. curious. Why do, you, why do you think it's underlooked? I, well, I mean, I really feel like there's just been no hype. Besides, you know, Auburn, North Carolina at the top of the uh, top side of things, um, it's really, I mean, Wofford is, uh, versus Kentucky was also a really good game. Uh, Wofford. Um, Fletcher McGee. Yeah, they had, they had, they they really gave a Kentucky run for the money. But I just, Kentucky's been uh, under the radar this year, as is Houston, as has Auburn, you know, Kansas, really. It's really all been about the ACC, to be honest with you. But uh, moving on here, uh, I'll give you, I'll give you Houston. Uh, okay. I, I think Houston's gonna advance. And just a quick note about their logos. It's funny because they both actually have the same logo, pretty much different letter at the bottom, but different colors. Hi, notice on that, yeah. All right, Gary. Yeah, Kentucky, like you were saying, they're, this isn't the best Kentucky team we've seen in a while. They don't have that guy that stands out. They don't have the John Wall that's going to go number one in the draft. They don't. But P.J. Washington and Ashton Higgins have been playing well. Their defense, though, they've owned 50 points a game. That's surprising out of Kentucky. They usually don't play as solid defense. Give me Kentucky. All right, Tyler? I'm going to take the Cougars on this one. I think um, they have really good offense. I, f I think it comes down to who plays better defense, um, but I really think the Cougars will win. All right, Luke? No P.J. Washington, no problem for the Cats. Um, their depth allows them to run with the best of them, whereas Houston, not as much depth. They won't be able to keep up with Kentucky. I got Big Blue Nation. All right, Austin? I'm going to side with Kentucky here as well. Um, I don't have a ton of experience with either team because they, like especially Houston, has been very undercovered this season. Um, but just the, the pedigree of, of UK, I'm going to have to go with them. All right, Gabe? I like Houston in this one. I think Wofford, you look at how that game went for Kentucky, if arguably the best three-point shooter in college basketball history manages to go 25% Wofford's in this game. So I like Houston here. All right, and uh, I really don't have a pick for this one either way. I think uh, Kentucky's probably going to – bring it out because just because I think that Houston has had its inconsistencies this season. Kentucky might not have the star uh, that they normally do, but that's not always a bad thing. Give me Kentucky. Uh, normally, I would say let's pick a champion, but I think everybody's about basketballed out at this point. I'm starting to get basketballed out. We're going to move. Uh, well, well, Luke Luke is. I was just shaking my head. Don't uh, worry really? about it. <laughs> do you want to just run through champion? Okay. Who's your champion, Chris? Michigan State. All right. Gary? UNC. All right. Tennessee. Give me the balls. Well, okay. Michigan State. Okay. Austin? Duke. UNC. And I am North Carolina as well. So uh, moving on, uh, and finally something other than basketball. I know, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a lot of basketball. It's a but good thing we're moving to baseball. <laughs> All right, let's no. get this show started. Whoa, whoa, I just <laughs> – <laughs> look at me. I'm the captain. Oh That's God. basically what you just did yes, to me. Uh, <laughs> moving on <laughs> to uh, NFL. NFL, I mean, the free agency has been going on. It's been a very wild and wacky free agency. Moves that we, you know, never imagined would have happened. Um moves that well we actually did expect to happen um just kind of opening up with some general questions who won the antonio brown uh, saga was it antonio brown or was it the steelers chris didn't i 
pretty sure we talked about this. Did before, we talk right? about I it? I don't think so. I think we yeah, did. We did. Yeah, did we? we? Did. Yeah. Okay. Uh-oh. Welcome to the show, Nick. Welcome to the Thank show. You. All right. Well. <laughs> well. I thought I but was I already here. But I believe we agreed that the Raiders. But I think the Raiders got the. Maybe, maybe the, it was loot. Maybe maybe it was last week or the week no, before that. that. Was after the week before we went to Springfield. Oh uh, well, it's been a long time. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, well, how about all right? How about OBJ then? Can we do that one, Chris, or did we do that one? Well, I believe Luke did that one. Okay, last week, but so. we ha- <laughs> but I haven't given my opinion, so we're doing it again. <laughs> okay, go for it. Well, what? Chris, I want to hear. I want to hear, hear what yeah. I think. Oh my gosh, I I think that news came out during the Florida State Florida baseball game. And so there was a lot of, oh, my God, Florida State is getting its head turned over. And then, obviously, you look over, and it's like, oh, my God. There was just a lot of sports news hitting at the same time. It was wild. But, uh, no, I, I think I think it's crazy. I think Cleve- I think that has solidified Cleveland uh, as a potential, like, a, a potential Super Bowl contender in right. the long run. <laughs> Gary? I mean, the Browns won the trade, but the Giants – they're starting to set themselves up for the future, and so, I like where they're going. You don't like think you don't at. think it's as bad as everybody is, you know, claiming no, it to be. No, it's not as bad. I, they should have been able to get a bit more, but in the end, they're just trying to look to clear cap space, get younger, and grow for the future. All right, Tyler. I mean, there's nothing really I can add besides I like this move um, for the Browns. I like this move for the Giants. Both of them win, in my opinion, um, and also. The Browns are going to win the Super Bowl. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in five years. Luke. So the Browns instantly got better by adding Odell Beckham Jr. But I wanted to say something about the Giants. Dave Gettleman has no idea what he's doing. No idea. And I think the more egregious thing that he did was their continued dismissal of Dwayne Haskins as a potential top top pick for them. It's one thing to trade your star wide receiver. It's another to not have any plan for the future at the quarterback position. Eli's our guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Austin? Yeah, I, I'm definitely on the Dave Gettleman, Dave Gettleman hate train here. Um, some people say that this is a great move for the Giants' future. Um, I think this is a horrible move when, when you take uh, Saquon Barkley into account because he's going to be run into the, into the ground this season and for possibly seasons to come. At least with OBJ, even if he was a, a potential locker room cancer, you had a, you had a fallback option. Or well, I say he, he was the, uh, the first option over Saquon. But unless they can get a solid receiver in future free agency markets or just luck out in the first round of the drafts, um, he's going to be worn out and potentially have a very eg- very early exit from the NFL. So I think they just set themselves back maybe three, four years with this trade. All right, Gabe. Well, as an Eagles fan, I must say I'm ecstatic about this move. <laughs> but uh, for the Giants, I just don't see what the plan is. I mean, you think about you keep OBJ and you keep Saquon, Get a quarterback like Haskins. That's that's a legitimate threat for people for uh, teams to look at. But now you trade away OBJ. You're not really looking at a quarterback. I mean, how long do you think you're going to get Saquon Barkley's prime? Is a question for me. Yeah, uh, I don't. Re- I kind of with Gary here. I don't think it's as bad a move as everybody thinks it is. But it's going to definitely. Don't get me wrong. This is a bad move. You trade a player like a. You play a. You trade a generational player like OBJ like that and you're you're making a, a bad mistake but it's going to be a worse mistake if Dave Gettleman uh, continues to stick with Eli Manning if you draft Haskins I think he's by far the best uh, quarterback prospect in the draft I don't I don't really think Kyler Murray is a number one overall pick and I think that Arizona would be playing stupid to draft him number one but Arizona isn't that great of a franchise uh, to begin with so it would make sense that they do draft Murray uh, and that's a whole other discussion that's now. a whole other discussion but I'm just going to give my take if that. if you I mean obviously you draft Josh Rosen last year maybe he's not exactly what you're looking for in the first year but you need to let players mature 
I mean, you cannot draft a quarterback back-to-back years like that, especially with a quarterback that's as hyped as Kyler Murray is. I'm not saying that Kyler Murray isn't talented. I'm not saying that at all. He's probably one of the most skilled players and athletes overall that have come out of the draft in recent memory. But you're taking him number one over something that you could really use, particularly a defensive end like Joey Bosa. I, it just does not make sense to me. But um, with that all being said, uh, moving, I just I know I asked you uh, before the show, uh, Luke and Tyler, to give me your winners and losers for a couple of divisions. But seeing that we're under 10 minutes, we're just going to go overall uh, winners and losers for uh, free agency. Um, so I'm going to uh, go for it. I really, I really just have one team. Uh, for every for every single division here, uh, as far as losers are concerned, uh, Vikings haven't really done anything in their division. They 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 signed Dan Bailey, uh, and Vikings are really kind of kind of just falling out of the, the NFC North. I think they you know they they have Kirk Cousins, okay, not good, <laughs> not good enough, and they're really not making the moves to kind of keep them on that borderline playoff threat. Uh, next loser, Dolphins lose Cameron Wake. I'm fine about losing Tannehill, but you lose Cameron Wake, who is probably granted he's probably going to end up uh, retiring in a Dolphins jersey. I really believe that, but you can't let your best player go like that. Um, I know that you're rebuilding, but you need to at least have some veteran leadership. And you not only lost that, but you lost a great player. Uh, Jacksonville, I'm not so sure that that uh, Nick Foles is going to really do anything more than Blake Bortles in Jacksonville. I know I think he's a better quarterback, but I definitely think the culture of Philadelphia helped Nick Foles out a lot. I think the team that he had helped Nick Foles out a lot. Now, granted, he is a Super Bowl winner, Super Bowl MVP, all that. I just don't trust Jacksonville and Nick Foles together yet. Steelers, obvious losers. They lost Bell and they lost Antonio Brown. Uh, that's left to be said. Broncos, they traded for Joe Flacco. That's all I'm going to say about the Broncos. <laughs> He's uh, elite. What do you mean? <laughs> not to me. Uh, and, you know, they're not really doing much else in free agency. Uh, Panthers haven't done much else either. I think they need to start looking at something past Cam Newton. He's kind of drowning himself out. Uh, Tampa Bay gave up Jackson. Are you going through like, I'm going, all the teams? I'm going through all losers. He's on a roll. Yeah, I'm for the rest of yeah, us. Yeah, and then, and then Arizona, as I already said. Uh, for reasons, but um, I'm losers gonna... around losers around the table. You can give all of them like I just did. I had a lot of losers to get out of the way. You can give as many losers as you want, Chris, Me. or 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 Garrett too. Oh, I had my winner set up already. Oh, you have your winners. I give me your winners. Winner. This is my one winner for you guys: the Buffalo Bills. Ooh. Beefed up on the wide receivers with John Brown, Cole Beasley, and they beefed up their O line to protect Josh Allen, who's got a rocket arm. All right, what do you think, Tyler? Do you have winners or losers? I have a winner. I. Speaking of Cameron Wake, I think the Tennessee Titans uh, did really well in free agency. Um, sorry, gotta get my <laughs> yeah. notes here. You 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 threw me off. Yeah, well you look look. I mean, if we you, could have a three-hour show, actually, I would, my voice would probably die at yes. that point. Yes. Well, I think I think Cameron Wake is the biggest pickup for them. But let's not also look past that they got a, a good offensive guard and uh, Saffold. Roger Saffold. Yeah, yeah. Saffold. Um, and so I think being able to pe- protect Mariota is big. And I think that they're one of the biggest winners for sure. All right, Luke. I'm going to go to another AFC South team, and I'm going to pick the Colts. They beef up their uh, linebacking core with Justin Houston, placing right next to all-pro linebacker Darius Leonard, who had an outstanding rookie year. Mm-hmm. You also pick up Devin Funches, former wide receiver of the Panthers, and he goes from one QB with an injured shoulder to one that has a repaired shoulder now in Andrew Luck. I think that could be big for him. All right, Austin. My winner is going to be the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, they picked up Tevin Coleman, former Falcon, uh, for some more depth at the uh, running back position. And assuming he doesn't slip in the shower and concuss himself again, I think he's going to be a uh, – that did actually happen. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, I think he's going to be a great pickup for them, potentially uh, compete for the feature spot. Uh, they also got 
D Ford in a trade from the 49ers. They got Quan Alexander from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, beefing up their defense. So I believe that I don't think they're going to run away with the division. I think that's pretty firmly in the Rams' hands for now. But they could contend for a wild card spot, especially with the return of Jimmy Garoppolo. All right, Gabe, winners, losers. Everybody's doing winners, so I'm, I'm going to make you guys pick losers next because <laughs> I literally gave out a whole bunch of losers. You can agree with me, but Gabe? Well, I got a winner as well. I'm looking at the Jets. Like Sam Darnold, the guy's young. I like getting weapons for young guys. Jamison Crowder, Le'Veon Bell, those are very nice pickups. Uh, and then C.J. Mosley on the defensive end. I think that they have made some nice moves. Uh, you know, they had Anthony Barr supposedly on the way, and then he flipped back to Minnesota, but still a very good offseason, I think. Uh, I only have a, I have a couple of winners. Uh, one of them was the Colts. That's already been touched down. Uh, the Packers definitely are winners this this uh, this free agency. They got a lot of defensive help, and they didn't just get, like, help. Like, they got depth. They got starters. They went out. They they uncharacteristically, actually, they, they paid the money. Uh, they're not, you know, prone to do that in uh, free agency. But they went out and they got they got their their defensive starters and I also think the Rams have done a very fantastic job in this offseason. You know, you think you think about teams that usually make the Super Bowl and you think, well, they're not. They're, usually they're not as good that next year with you know, a couple of exceptions. And everybody wonders why. Well, and that's because it's, it's hard to keep players and teams together. Uh, the Rams are an expensive team, but they've also done what they needed to to maintain their assets uh, on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. They got Eric Weddle uh, from the Ravens, which uh, I think that's a that's a great pickup for them. They re-signed Dante Fowler Jr., which you know I do think that he was a little bit inconsistent, but I think the Rams have done a great job at keeping their team together this year. Um, any any losers? Uh, for I was going to add they also picked up Clay Matthews, and they did pick up Clay Matthews recently as well, which as a Packers Packers fan. <laughs> It hurts me a little bit, but uh, Rams definitely doing the best that they can to uh, maintain uh, their team as it as it is. Um, so, just I guess overall, who do you who do you think has done it best this free agency? You know, I think I think the Packers definitely helped themselves. There's kind of this revolving door of safeties between the the Bears and the Packers. Uh, obviously, the Packers get Adrian Amos, who played for the Bears last year, and the Packers get Haha Clinton Dix, former. Safety for the Packers. I think they both improved there, but the one pickup by the Packers I'm looking at is Zadarius Smith, outside linebacker coming over from Baltimore. The Packers get younger on that defensive line and more productive. Clay Matthews only had three and a half sacks compared to Smith's eight and a half last year. I think they got better. All right, what about you, Tyler? Um, seeing that you only had me prepare for two divisions, and I'm not very <laughs> strong in NFL, I'm going to have to say the Titans because, again, they got Cameron Wake and they got Sheffield, um, and I, f- I feel like again they're set up with a team around Mariota that can win playoffs, and you sh- you saw them get to the playoffs last year. So I think yeah, I think they're all right. Winners. Austin, Gabe, final words. Uh, since I touched on a winner in my last answer, I'm going to give my loser. Uh, the Steelers are the obvious answer in the AFC North, but I'm going to actually go with the Ravens as well. They lost three huge playmakers on defense: C.J. Mosley to the Jets, Terrell Suggs to the Cardinals, and Eric Weddle to the Rams. So their once vaunted defense is going to be like kind of hampered a little bit and then I'm still not completely sold on Lamar Jackson as a starter I think he needs more time to develop in this league and like Joe Flacco was obviously not the answer but I think there's still going to be some growing pains early in the season with him at quarterback Gabe Uh, if I had to pick a loser I might go New England Um, that being said we all know how that ends up working out we say oh New England lost the offseason is this the year and then 
Next thing you know, they're winning another Super Bowl. But over the hill. look, look, Losing from Gronkowski. for for a Miami fan, they're not dead until they're dead. Okay, exactly. double tap rule. There's a headline on first take this morning: Is the Patriots dynasty dead? Well, it must have been yes. a slow morning. Times in the past year, have we seen that? Eternal losers, headline? though. New York Giants. <laughs> uh, Gabe, you had a, you were gonna finish. I was just gonna say, losing Gronkowski, and now probably the best tight end on the market would have been Jared Cook, and he's sold on New Orleans. So maybe built through the draft there. So with that being said, wow, it's been it's felt like a long two hours, but it's also been a very short two hours. Thank you all so much for tuning in on this, this very, very special show. Um, if anything that you take away from this, just the amount of talent that we have at this station, the amount of people that, you know, can articulate their opinions in such a fantastic fashion and are always doing it in a professional manner. We're very, very proud of the people that turned uh, that, that tuned in or uh, participated in the first hour and the second hour. Um, it's really, it's really made my job a heck of a lot easier um, for the amount of content that I put together for the show. And sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's not. Um, but I really am thankful for everybody that participated on the show uh, first hour, even though they jetted out of here. And I'm going to talk to them about that. Um, thank you all so much for watching. We'll see you here next week, uh, 7 p.m. Uh, new release is up next. You've been listening to the two-hour special of Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. <laughs>